This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you shop at a Walmart Vision Center, you get it. You know that you'll spend a little less on stylish glasses for the whole family. Welcome to the Vision Center. Let me know if you need help finding the perfect frame. Hey mom, you were right. These glasses are cool. Hun, they take our insurance. That means Papa's getting a new pair, too. Whoa, glasses start at just $39. Next stop, groceries. So you can get a little more of what you need. Find a vision center near you. Save money, live better. Walmart. Ask Sherwin-Williams during the Endless Summer Sale, August 26th through September 5th, and get 30% off paints and stains with prices starting at $29.39. That means 30% off our most popular color family, blue. Psychologists have found it to be soothing and relaxing, which makes it especially great for bedrooms and bathrooms. And of course, 30% off all of our other colors. Shop the sale online or visit your neighborhood Sherwin-Williams store. Click the banner to learn more. Retail sales only. Some exclusions apply. See store for details. Welcome to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman, and co-hosting with me today will be Mike Gregg. This is another Q&A with Mike, and in this episode, we'll be once again discussing your questions submitted to the Cottage Talk Twitter and Facebook pages. On top of that, I have my own topics for Mike to discuss as well. We have much to get through, but before I do anything, I have to welcome Mike back to the show. Mr. Gregg, how are you doing? Yeah, hi, Russ. Uh, yeah, doing really well. Um, obviously, looking forward to Saturday, <laughs> but... Uh... Also, uh, yeah, it's just been so hectic since last Monday, and uh, I know I've been involved on Twitter with a lot of the ticketing and trying You've to help. Been very people. helpful, so Mike. Been pretty much, been trying my best, been trying my best, and uh, <laughs> it's been non-stop. But it's calmed down a bit today. Although, yeah, I've been busy. I did a radio interview earlier today, and yep. I'm still fending off some inquiries. But uh, no, I can finally turn to thinking about the game and the actual event and what it means to me and, and 38,000 other fans. Well, let's start right there, Mike. I have a, a few questions for you, and then I have uh, several from the uh, Fulham supporters that are all interesting. But let's talk about Wembley. 
And again, I, I haven't been a foam supporter that long. I'm going on about 10, 11 years now, but you go very far back. And uh, it's been since 1975 since foam have been to Wembley. And by the people I talk to, I know how important this is. So I just want to look, look it through your eyes. How important is, is just going to Wembley for you? Yeah, I mean, it's been, um, I've been supporting the club. This is my 40th year, uh, officially, really. And, um, you know, it's 43 years since we were there. And it's been well documented. It's the longest gap between one team playing at Wembley and then going back. And, uh, you know, there have certainly been times when you think, oh, God, are we ever going to get there? Are we ever going to play there? And um, thankfully, following last week's great result and uh, game against Derby, we are there. And we have a, a really good chance. and But it means a lot, you know. It's finally seeing the team at the home of football, if you like, in, in England, if not, you know, the most famous stadium in the world. And uh, it's going to be a great day, a great occasion. And uh, so many Fulham fans from all around the world coming in, including yourself. That's right. And, uh, you know, I've, I've really enjoyed my own participation, if you like, in the last week, like I said, trying to help so many fans get there. And the fact that we sold out is great. And, uh, you know, we've had some banter with the Villa fans as well. And, you know, but we are Fulham and uh, we're there and we, uh, we we shouldn't be worried about them. And uh, it's about enjoying the day. I'm hoping it's, it's been interesting. I've been having a lot of chats with fans and and uh, Hamburg was a was a was an occasion. But actually the journey getting to Hamburg had a lot of interest, you know, really interesting games and a and memories which are probably more than the actual event of the final where this is you know the end of a long season and uh, I'm going to soak it all up every minute of uh, this coming Saturday believe me and I think you should Mike and listen I look forward to uh, getting to the match and uh, seeing you once again I've seen you a few times but I look forward to uh, meeting up with you again and several other people it should be unbelievable this is uh, a dream of mine to get to Wembley to see Fulham play there. Uh, I've been to Wembley, but that was to see the New England Patriots play, and I wanted the opportunity to see Fulham play, and now I get that opportunity, and I cannot wait, and there's so much on the line to uh, gain promotion back to the Premier League. I like our chances. Let's just leave it at that. And uh, I'm just going to say this, Mike, before we go any further, because uh, you actually tweeted something out. I don't have the tweet in front of me, but you talked about how, again, Wembley is – is going to be completely full. Aston Villa fans are going to be there. Fulham fans are going to be there. But let's talk about the fact that you've got both groups of fans there. We all deserve to be there. And uh, I just like the fact that I think this is going to be, you know, if you look at the championship, I think this is going to be a, a good reason to watch the championship, this final, because I think these are the two teams that deserve to be there. Well, yeah, I mean, it's third versus fourth. It's a sellout. You look back at some of the, crowds and uh, for the playoff games over the last few years and, and they've not been sellouts and you know every man and his dog has been dragged along um, but we have the, the third and fourth best teams in the uh, the league and uh, you know they should be there competing for the uh, the last place to get into the Premier League and uh, yeah it should be a, a great occasion yeah I tweeted that you know no matter what both sides have sold out their ticket that's right it's going to be a colourful colorful occasion um and uh, yeah just can't wait for it to all kick off really and uh, which will be very early on saturday morning for some of us um and uh, but yeah no really you can't 
the anticipation is there and it's building and uh, you know everyone's getting excited what are you going to wear what's the weather going to be and for me finally i can start thinking about the team you know what are we going to do there was a press conference today that's right you start thinking well you know what a change is going to make what's the mind games between the two managers you know who's it who's allegedly injured who isn't you know all that kind of stuff but uh when it comes down to it, it'll be uh, five o'clock Saturday, and the you know we'll, we'll see who comes out best a couple of hours later. But uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, just can't wait. Neither can I, Mike. And just a little heads up, we have some questions about decisions that Jokanovic will have to make in the questions to you, and uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. But I still have a few more questions for you, and this one actually, I guess you could say, disappointed me in, in some of the criticism that I've seen. In regards to the pitch invasion by Fulham after the uh, match against uh, Derby County, I want to get your thoughts on it. I've actually seen some Villa fans have some comments on it. What are your thoughts about the criticism for the pitch invasion? I think it was deserved. You know, again, this is a huge thing, getting the Wembley. I think that's what this is all about, Mike. It's not about looking past Aston Villa or whoever else was going to be there like we want it. This is about getting to Wembley. That's what I thought the pitch invasion was about. I want to get your thoughts on all this, and do you think that's what it was about? It was 43 years of hurt, if you like. It was, uh, we hadn't won anything. You know, we haven't won no. a trophy or anything, but we have got through to a final. And so it was, uh, you know, it was joyous. It wasn't um, aggressive. I remember when the Reading fans came on last year, and they were quite aggressive to us, but I don't, I don't believe we went on the pitch to go and comp confront the Derby fans far from it we went to celebrate you know lift players up and uh, you know there was never any danger to the players none of the Derby players who I saw made any comments about you know it being an aggressive pitch invasion it was uh, it was a joyous night at the end of two two matches which were tough games but where, where we performed the best and uh, you know deserved to go through so no I'm not going to accept that uh, you know any criticism of it? It was it was good natured. Uh, it was almost a party atmosphere, and uh, you know, and when they were asked to disperse, they did, and there was no there's no real issue. So uh, again, I go back. It's probably just a little bit of mind games, you know. Right. Them sort of saying, "Oh, the fans are celebrating too early," that kind of thing. It was celebrating getting to Wembley more than anything. Um, right. And this is the next chapter. Um. So uh, yeah, we'll see where it takes us. Absolutely, Mike. All right, final topic has to involve the FST meeting last night. You were there. I believe Sean O'Loughlin and Alistair McIntosh were there, and they took questions. So just uh, share with us uh, what happened at the meeting. Yeah, so it was the Film Supporters Trust AGM, and uh, we usually try and have a guest of some kind. We were lucky enough this year, even before we got to the uh, the playoff final, to uh, – get Alistair and Sean to agree to come along and do a Q&A. And so what we did was we had a, a very short ATM, probably the shortest I can remember. But, uh, you know, it's uh, the main thing was that we, we got everything through. And then, you know, there's about 50, 60 people there and Alistair answered questions. Uh, nothing was out of bounds. He got, you know, uh, for two hours there, him and Sean answered questions, starting That's great. ticketing. Um, you know, the Riverside stand, transfers, uh, the owner, you know, um, uh, Tony as well. And, uh, you know, all the processes, scouting, 
you know, even down to was Billy the Badger going to turn up at Wembley and uh, how many programs do we sell? And, you know, there was a wide ranging discussion. Oh. Um, there was criticism over the ticketing, um, but Alistair explained, you know, why they went for five season tickets instead of probably what I certainly felt was going to be uh, free at the most. Um, but he gave a very good explanation, which a couple of people have actually tweeted out um, today trying to explain the sort of secondary ticketing market, sort of the way they were trying to do it. And it's worked. You know, I hold my hands up. I thought it was wrong, but in the end, we've sold out the 38,000. Um, there's still a few tickets flying around, which people have obviously, you know, either overbought or people just can't turn up. But, um, you know, the main thing for me was always, you know, if you want to go, and you can make it, then you should get a ticket. And I, I don't see any reason for anyone out there who's a Fulham fan who, if they can financially make it, um, commit, you know, um, make it to the ground on Saturday, then they can get a seat. Absolutely. So, uh, so you know, he answered those questions, and um, you know, it was quite forthcoming. There was some stuff that has to stay in the room, obviously, but not a lot. And. Um, you know, an interesting thing like about Luco talking about the transfers, you know, somebody asked a question, can we get the transfers done early? And he perfectly well explained, well, you know, everyone wants to do that, but it's just not possible. And the World Cup is going to, you know, shake things up as well. And right. then he gave the example of a, a Luco where um, Reading came in with a bid for a million pounds and we went, no, we're not interested. And then a month later, it had slowly gone up and gone up. And eventually it was seven million and we had to say yes, you know, so sometimes you have to snap people's hands off and we did with that one but right. uh, no it was a really good night and uh yeah uh have to thank alistair and sean for coming along and for like i say two hours straight uh they answered questions and, that's great and then you know a bit of a drink afterwards so yeah it was good <laughs> well fantastic thanks for sharing some uh, details and summarizing that for us mike one more topic this little bonus topic for you before we get into the questions it involves the white wall. Mike, I'm looking forward to seeing this at Wembley. Let's talk about the white wall. Yeah, so um, last Saturday, it was actually a couple of uh, a couple of the American followers who were talking about a whiteout, uh, which uh, I think Winnipeg do or some hockey Yeah, they do. do. I'm not really totally. Yeah, and, um, and then I had a discussion with the club as well, and, you know, and there were bits and pieces that we could do. And... We spoke about it within the trust, and we thought, well, let's see if we can get something going, the momentum going for uh, a white wall, you know, get people wearing the white kit, which goes against the grain for me because, as I've mentioned on Twitter, I've been wearing the black away top a lot. So <laughs> I'm sacrificing that during the game on, on Saturday. I'll be, I'll be wearing my black top prior to the game, and then I'll change inside but, and put a white top on. But... Um, yeah, I mean, we did a poll as well, and 75% said they'd wear white. So, you know, I don't think it's going to be a perfect white, which we really we don't want. But, you know, there'd be black, there'd be red, there'd be, you know, whatever colour it is. Yeah. Um, but it's, it should look great. And uh, the club have been behind it, and, and, and the fans have taken it. And it's got some coverage as well in the press. Jokanovic mentioned it today. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, so it, it's good stuff. Yeah, and um, Absolutely. Yeah, let's make the most of these kind of things. You know, That's right. We haven't been there for so long. <laughs> you know. Listen, the one in Winnipeg is extremely impressive, and that's only about 15,000, 16,000. So imagine that more than double. 
And I think it's going to be yeah. extremely impressive. And I look forward to seeing it. And Mike, like you said, it's the occasion. Let's go all for it. I'm all for the white wall. I'll be wearing my white. I look forward to that, my friend. All right. Let's get to yeah. this. I'm sorry, Mike. Go ahead. I was going to say, you know, if people want to turn up in whatever kit they want, really, it doesn't matter. It's uh, no one's being forced into it sure. or anything like that. It's just uh, an initiative. And uh, but in the end, yeah, let's uh, let's just go for it, go for it and have thirty eight thousands. We were talking about a, no- a wall of noise as well, and uh, you had that in the Derby home game. So That's right. I'm, I'm sure we can replicate that. So yeah. Oh, I totally agree with that, Mike. And, and listen. Like you mentioned, this is a suggestion to be part of the uh, white wall. You know, obviously, we want you to be there. But if you can be there in white, you know, maybe you should show up in white. It could be kind of cool to see all these fans uh, all in white because uh, if the majority of them there, it should make quite a statement. And then, like you said, it could be a wall of noise as well. It should be very interesting at Wembley. And I look forward to getting on a plane and getting over there for this match. All right, here are the questions. Let's start with the Facebook page. This comes from our friend Roger Lewis in Spain. Mike is going to start us off. Here it is. My fear for Saturday is our players freezing at the occasion. What is Mike's fear, starting with Aite or Piazon, perhaps? Um, I don't think we can, um, you know, I mean, we'll, we'll, the old Fulhamish thing comes in, doesn't it? But right. this team is a different team. It has a different mentality. It has a different coach. We didn't freeze in, in the derby game, in, in either derby game, actually. Um, we maybe didn't play very well first half at, at their place, but the next you know, three halves, we were by far the best team. Uh, there's an argument, maybe the Birmingham game, we, we weren't up for it. Um, but again, did we freeze or was it conditions, whatever, you know. But um, no, I don't think they're going to freeze. I think certainly uh Villa had the advantage with uh, the amount of uh, players who have played at Wembley before um but uh you know we are the we are we may be the third best team we uh, in league positions but everyone knows we were the best team in that second half of the season so uh, no I don't think they're going to freeze I think we learned a lot from last year but um I'm going to go back to Jakanovic and just say the mentality him and his coaches bring to this team and right. to the club is second to none and uh, no I don't expect us to freeze as for who plays I don't on think the so. right I got three questions yeah, for that Mike let me get to that uh, in one okay. second because I want to go back and talk about the uh, freezing issue and I don't see it either and uh, here's the way I'm looking at it, Mike I want your thoughts on it. this is to go off of uh, Roger's uh, topic here I think the first 20 minutes are vital just for they settle into this match because we're hearing so much from the other side about their experience. Even Jokanovic talked about it in the presser. If they can get through the first 20 minutes and get into their game, I think they're going to be fine. Could there be nerves? Yes. I think they have the experience, like you said, to settle in. But would you agree with me that the first 20 to get through it, say, even at that point or ahead is uh, is pretty key here? Yeah, I would say, you know, sometimes we are not the quickest to start. You know, sometimes we can this be is true. nervous and... Uh... You know, there's there's times, at, certainly at Craven Cottage, where I sit that I'm the way we kick off, we kick towards um, the Putney end. I look at the clock for the first five minutes, and it's all been down my right. It's been down towards the Putney end, so uh, we're sometimes a little bit slow. But um, right. no, my only concern, my only concern in some ways for Saturday is the actual pitch, and it's not so much the size of it; it's more how lush and how long is the grass. Wembley is. Um, 
is not going to be that sheen, you know, that very quick surface that we uh, like to have. And that is my only concern with our playing style for uh, Saturday. So it will be, you know, let's find out what that pitch is like in the first uh, 10, 15 minutes and uh, and see how we adapt. Because that was one of the reasons we didn't play very well at Birmingham. It's a great point, Mike. And uh, I'm glad that you brought that up because uh, we've been talking a lot uh, about the pitch, about how the, much of an advantage it is at, at Craven Cottage. And uh, it's a very interesting take by you to look at it before the match and see how it plays. And yes, you are 100% right, Mike. This was my criticism about the Birmingham City match. If it's going to be played a certain way, you have to adapt, and you have to adapt quickly. And if it's going to play a certain way and it's not going to be the slick passing that they're used to, they have to adapt. And the quicker they adapt, the better. So that's a very good point. I'm glad that you brought that up, my friend. All right, let's now get to the question that, that's going to involve the right wing. i got three people asking questions that are kind of around the, the same subject, Mike, so I'm just going to read them all to you. Let's start with Colin Forknall. He says, against Villa's back four, do you agree we need pace and strength, therefore we should play with Sess, Mitro, and AK? That's followed up by Edward Severance and who starts at right wing? Always a talking point the last few weeks. And finally, Jack B says, will Kamara start in the final? So it all goes back to all these three questions really evolve around Kamara and the right wing. Your thoughts, Mike? The discussion everyone is having, it's, um, but I, I would hope that he sticks with the same same team that uh, started the game against Derby. We all said that um, you know we had to get straight at straight at Derby, and uh, Kamara gives you that directness, um, that uh, sort of uh, you don't know what he's going to do. He doesn't know what he's going to do, and the, the Villa, they're um, the back four isn't isn't the youngest and it isn't the quickest, and on a big pitch, which Wembley is. Yep. Um, uh, you know, we can exploit that. And I can see, you know, fingers crossed, you know, if, you, if they're running at Terry, there's going to be gaps, hopefully. And um, but I would ex- I would hope we're going to start with the same 11. Um, it's an interesting one. I mean, the other the other discussion uh, leading up to the last few games of the season was Adoe, you know, him or Callis. Um, I've always preferred Callis. And, uh, you know, but Adoe's performances and, you know, let's face it, his goal as well means he won't be dropped, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, it's just that right wing position. And for me, it has to be Kamara. I think we have to start with pace. Um, the only argument against starting him is be looking to bring him. It's gonna, it looks like it's going to be warm. It's not going to be sweltering, but it's going to be, you know, early 20s. Um, you know, as if Villa tire uh, with the heat, then you, then you bring on your pace. There is that argument. But um, I do think part of what you were saying earlier about calming the nerves yep. and, uh, and getting, you know, trying maybe possibly getting an early early goal, um, I think we've just got to go from, from the beginning, be up, up the tempo and uh, be straight on. So I would go with Kamara, absolutely. Okay, and... Uh... If you read uh, from the presser, it sounds like Savisa wants Fulham to dominate like we normally do. So I have a funny feeling that we're going to come out strong and try to, like you said, get that early goal. And uh, I'm not against starting Kamara, so I'm all for that. But we'll see what Savisa ends up doing. All right, here's a question from Dean Monroe. Expected bench players in the final. Will Savisa set up tactically to be more forceful in the last 20 minutes? If it does come down to penalties, 
Who are your top five penalty takers? Oh, my, Mike. Here you go. Um, well, I mean, bench-wise, it will probably be Christian Callas, uh, uh, Norwood, um, IET, Diazon. Um, really, the last position is between Font and Cabano, isn't it? And uh, I'm going to have to... Uh, I'm going to go with Font, actually. I think he'll go with him. Um, I think that's... Is that seven of our names? <laughs> Enough subs there. Um, penalty takers, is that a question, Russ? Is that who you're yes. asking who they should yes. be? Uh, <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, the best, penalty, the best penalty takers we have probably are, well, certainly Norwood. So, depending on the timing, if it did get to penalties, you know, you could see him coming on for the last minute. Um, you know, Kearney, if he's still on the pitch, would we'll, we'll, we'll take one. If Font was on the pitch here, we would take one. Uh, Kamara uh, as well. Uh, Mitrovic, obviously. Uh, and, um, and McDonald, probably key guys who are going to take penalties if it, if it comes down to it. So uh, I'm quite confident. It's, I was asked that question today about penalties. And two years ago, I would have said, no, we wouldn't have had a chance. But, um, you know, they work on it. And... Uh, we have some really good penalty takers now, so I wouldn't be too. Um, but I don't think it's going to go down to penalties anyway. So. I hope not, Mike. I don't know if my heart can handle that. I, I think <laughs> I would have both hands over my face trying to watch that thing. Uh, yeah. But we'll see what happens. <laughs> All right. Here are two questions together because, again, similar subjects. This is first from John Quinn on Twitter. I believe this was on Twitter. How financially profitable is it for Fulham to have sold out the Wembley allocation, if at all? And another question comes from Mitchell Williams. Here's his question. Russ, I've asked you about this before, but is wondering if Mike knows the difference in prize money from winning the league to winning the playoffs. Um, I don't think it's a huge amount between winning the league and winning the playoffs. Obviously, in the playoffs, you, you get, you know, if you get to Wembley. So the way Wembley works is, uh, the final, you sell your, both both sets sell their their um, tickets, and they get to keep half the income um, from the ticket sales. But unofficially, what happens is whatever team wins the league uh, wins the uh, playoff game, right? Uh, gives gives the loser all the all their gate money as well because they know getting into the Premier League is so profitable. Sure. So, argument's sake. You know, if uh, half the ticket sales are going to the uh, FA and Wembley and everyone else, uh, if you look at 38,000 tickets times what an average price of maybe 65, 70 quid, that's the kind of figure you're going to get. So uh, um, in the final, uh, but yeah, actually winning it, uh, winning the the league to the uh, this this position, I don't know to be quite frank. But the game is a you know, it's. I've seen figures banded about. You, you get promoted. It's worth 160 to 230 million. So I've seen. Um, it's a massive game. You know, yeah. it's the most. Uh, it's the game with the the most money riding on it anywhere in the world, easily uh, yeah. for the difference between two teams. So. Okay, very good there, Mike. All right, this is from Jason Atkins. This is simple, Mike. If we win Saturday, will be our greatest moment. Um. Yeah, yeah, I think it will be. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, we won the, uh, you know, we won the old uh, uh, championship, if you like, and uh, you know, we've had some uh, really 
good league seasons, but you know we are a team that doesn't have much silverware. Um, if you can call it a third place playoff silverware, I'll take it. But to win at Wembley on the second occasion and in the style we have done this season, and hopefully we carry that on Saturday. Yes, I think that it would be uh, the sort of pinnacle of uh, of Fulham. Absolutely. Okay, excellent, Mike. All right, here's the flip side on it. This is from Lars Anderson. What will happen if Fulham lose on Saturday? I'll probably get out of the ground quite quickly <laughs> and go and drown my sorrow somewhere. Um, it's uh, it, there will be repercussions. You have to accept that. Yeah. Uh, we have no we have no more parachute payments uh, going forward, and uh, yeah, there will be changes in the summer. Um, Will the manager stay? Who knows? Uh, will certain players leave? Absolutely. Will there be cutbacks? Of course there will be because we will have less money. So um, it will be changes, whatever happens. So whatever happens, we go up, we stay down, the team will change. Absolutely. Half the team is, is loanies, isn't it, really, in some ways? Right. So, um, you know, some may stay, some may, uh, you know, never come back. Um, and maybe some we don't want to come back, you know, it's that kind of thing. So uh, it's, um, you know, the future of the club isn't in jeopardy or anything like that by staying down, but what it will do is is make it very hard for us going forward. And I'm sure the chairman will bankroll us to within the limits of we're allowed to right. uh, under all the regulations. Um, but make no bones about it. If we don't go up, there will be changes. Yes. So- there has to be, Mike, and uh, you know best. Uh, as you really off all the financials, there there will be. But you know what's my whole thing on all that, Mike? Is let's worry about that after the match, one way or another. But I understand why people are worried about it. It makes sense because you're, you're worried about the future. But like you said, the future is going to be fine. Meaning that regardless, we're going to be in either the championship or obviously, hopefully, in the Premier League. But changes will happen, and let's hope they're positive changes. Meaning. We're in the Premier League, and those will definitely be positive. All right, Mike, now back to a question on Facebook. Andrew Iliff, assuming the lights go up, this is an interesting one. Where do you think we should strengthen? All over. Um, <laughs> the, Premier League is, the Premier League is bloody hard, and um, yes, we have some good players, um, but how many championship teams look like they have good players and then go up and struggle? Um, yes, it's true, you know, three of the teams stayed up this year and uh, a couple of the others who have gone up have, have, have done well but um, you know I saw a figure one of the finance guys did a uh, somebody on Twitter did some data and if you're going up in real terms you should need you need to spend about 60 million quid on players I would say you need to go and buy or sign seven or eight players who can get into your 18-man squad almost. Um, so we've seen the difference that Mitrovic is, you know, the right. quality he brings, the, the quality that Target has. That is the difference. You know, you look at players. I always go back to our promotion rise from the, the bottom division, you know, all the way up until Tignaga was promoted in, in the Premier League then, is that players who I thought were really good in, in a lower division when they went up and then better players joined the join the club, you saw the difference in quality. So players right. you absolutely adored the year before, you realise, hmm, you know, maybe he's not quite that good. And then, of course, two years later, they get promoted to the next division. 
and they're nowhere to be seen because they're just not at that level. And there's right. players in right. the team who, who do the fans love, but, you know, I'm not going to name them, but quite frankly, I personally don't think, uh, you know, they're Premier League players. They do a grand job where we are now, but uh, there will need to be improvements, absolutely, if, if we're going to, uh, if we get promoted, which I expect it to happen, uh, there will need to be improvements throughout the squad and in positions as well, from defence all the way up to uh, up front as well. I totally agree, Mike. It's funny because while you're saying this, I'm thinking about a Huddersfield town, even Bournemouth. You know, I thought Bournemouth would, uh, silly me, I thought they would be able to really do something in the Premier League. They've been able to do nicely for themselves, but they can only take it to a point. But if you look at that team, it's not the same team that we saw in the championship. It's certainly not. It's a completely different team. And you need to do that when you uh, go up in the Premier League. So that's what I'm expecting if we get promoted. Well, and like... let me... Go ahead, yeah, Mike. I mean, look at the difference. Yeah, well, let's, let's go back to last year where we did well and we had Malone at left back. Yeah? Right. And, uh, you know, he had the season of his life, I, I said. And when we took the money, I said, yeah, fair play, um, because I don't think he'll ever be able to do that again. He, so he went off to the Premier League. I'm not sure how many games he played in the end, but I don't think it was a huge amount. Um, but, uh, you know, and then Sessionon played quite a number of games at left back, which I still think was a good thing. Um, and then Target comes along. And you see the difference between Target and Malone. That is the step up. That's the quality difference. So, yes, Malone was good for us last year, but then you see a quality left back and you see the difference. And, yeah, it's a great um, point. You know, it, even Martin... You know, for all his faults, is a decent. Was a when he signed for us, it was seen as a decent championship striker. But you see the difference with Mitrovic. Absolutely, you know. And so you look at our midfield, that's a, and you that's look a at great McDonald's, way to look at who, who I love. You know, you know, I absolutely love McDonald, love Kenny, love you know, uh, Johansson as well. But let's not muck around here. There are better players than all those three players. And if you're able to get them and they improve you in the Premier League, then you go and get them, don't you? Right. Um, you know, so, yeah, there will be changes, uh, whatever happens. But uh, you can't rest on your laurels. You know, you can't go up with just the squad we have, get all the loanies back and say, I'm not going to make any changes. Otherwise, we will come straight back down. Great point there, Mike. I'm glad we're talking about that with these examples. Final question comes from Truk Kurdave. Here's a question. What players should we concentrate on locking down to a contract come the 27th? Um, I would like to see Session on giving a, a, a longer contract than signed. Um, there is a chance we may keep him, but uh, you know, if, he, if we get him on a longer contract, then obviously it might be more money for us. Um, McDonald, personally, uh, I would like him to uh, get a long contract. Uh, I think he's the key. You know, Kearney, for how good he is, and and Johansson, who I love as well, if you said to me, you can only keep one of them, I would keep McDonald. I have to be honest, because wow. we spent so long trying to find... We spent so forever, long Mike. It seemed like forever. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, so yeah, he is absolutely key to me. And it, if we go up, um, obviously, I'm go, I would want us to go and try and get Mitrovic, who would almost certainly be our most expensive signing ever yep. by a long chalk. And um, and target as well. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah. So and they're planning. You know, we've planned ahead. Fredericks hasn't signed a contract. He may do. Who knows? Uh, but we have Christie as well. Um, so they're already planning ahead. They're looking at the different scenarios. 
know, if we stay down, if we go up and, uh, you know, and those kind of players who could play in both leagues as well. So uh, lots happening, but uh, we have to wait until Saturday. Okay, excellent. Mike, thank you so much for joining me to do this uh, episode, this Q&A. I always enjoy doing it. We get some good questions. I thought we got some very good ones today. So thank you, my friend. Russ, absolutely no problem. After, what, four or five years of doing this with you, and certainly last year, probably, you know, on and off, um, it's great that uh, we can be positive and um, looking forward to uh, catching up with you on Saturday, as are about 2,000 other people who send me messages <laughs> saying, where's Russ going to be on match day? And, um, yeah, it's going to be great. And, uh, yeah, look forward to seeing you. And, uh, yeah, can't wait. And um, I think we are going to win. I think it will be a 3-2 game. Wow. And uh, we are going to come away celebrating. Wow. Just so you know, I interviewed uh, James Rutschton from the uh, whole cast. His prediction was 2-2 going to penalties and Aston Villa winning, winning it on, on penalties, Mike. So, <laughs> I don't, I mean, again, I don't, think, I, I don't know I don't, if I could handle it. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be a cagey game. I do think the big pitch will make a difference. And, okay. Uh, if it was I, a, I think so, too. Yeah, yeah I, I think the expanse for both sides. So, Defensively, we will leave gaps, but attacking-wise, uh, we can play our part in football. So uh, that's why I'm going for a high-scoring game. Okay, and listen, you gave me something to look out for when I go to Wembley. I'm to check out the pitch, Mike. That's actually something that I wasn't thinking about. You know, I was thinking that it was going to be the same as uh, Craven Cottage, but you've just said, get down there, see how it plays. And then if it doesn't play that same way, they have to adjust to it. And that's fine. And and uh, they have to be prepared for it better. And this is a little bit of criticism because I don't think they were prepared enough for what happened at Birmingham City. And they need to be, I'm talking about pitch-wise, they need to be prepared for all kinds of scenarios and, and just be ready to go. Just come out firing and hopefully that they, they get an early go. All right, Mike, great show, but it is time to wrap it up. For Mr. Mike Gregg, I'm Russ Coleman. Thank you as always for listening to Cottage Talk. It's the 90th minute. And all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping. And you steal the last nugget. Snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants. 18 plus. Serving times. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.